Good morning, Marshall students, and welcome to another episode of NBA's Unplugged. I'm your host, Fej McDermott, and let's get into today, Tuesday, October 20th. Uh, so jumping right into events, we have two events that are going to be featured this week. Uh, the first being the Mindful Interviewing Workshop being put on by Mindful Marshall and MGSA. So uh, are you feeling stressed about upcoming interviews? Do nerves prevent you from performing at your best? Do you often ruminate after your interviews about the way we could have done better? If so, join us for this workshop with mindfulness expert Elizabeth Prather to learn a scientifically validated and practical way to bring more calm and focused awareness to the interview process and your life. Mindfulness helps us find the mental stability to step into difficult situations with clarity and confidence. In this session, you'll walk away with an introduction to mindfulness, a short guided meditation practice together, the power of a mindful pause to reduce in-the-moment stress, and mindful strategies to help before, during, and after the interview. Again, this event is going to be happening on October 22nd from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. And you can find uh, sign-up links on campus groups, and the event will be held through Zoom. And our second featured event today is another MGSA event, uh, but this time focusing on more of the fitness aspect with Yoga with Melanie Lin. Uh, so please join us and take a break from your constant daily recruiting classes to uh, relax and get some fitness exercise in with our very own in-house instructor, Melanie Lin. Uh, we will be doing a live session through uh, Zoom as well from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. also on October 22nd. And registrations can be found on campus groups as well as being shared uh, through WhatsApp and the Slack channels. Uh, now for the rest of the events, I will be trying to speed through them as quickly as possible. So uh, again, if you want me to be uh, more in detail about your specific events, make sure to fill out the uh, event link survey that comes out with the distribution of this podcast every week. Uh, so starting off today, we have the GREA alumni panel. Uh, from 12.30 to 1.30. Uh, then we have an MFA stock pitch competition first round happening uh, today from 2.30 to 4.30. A USC incubator, incubator introduction being put on by the EVMA club happening from 4 to 5. Corporate finance interview training again with MFA happening from 5 to 6 p.m. BEA will be hosting entertainment negotiations talks with Ted Russell today from 5 p.m. to 6.15 p.m. The GMA club will have open casing hours and interview practice session from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. The High Tech Association will be doing a FinTech blockchain info session from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And then finally, Challenge for Charity will be hosting their weekly Special Olympics bingo from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, on Tomorrow on Wednesday, we have the BEA co-hosted with the Black Graduate Business Leaders and the Marshall Cannabis Industry Club presenting a panel discussion about the documentary 13th. Uh, so that'll be happening from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. tomorrow. Then we have the Operations Management Club co-hosting with the Marshall Consulting and Strategy Club for a fireside chat with Deloitte's Rob Hills uh, tomorrow from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. We have uh, GMA hosting an alumni speaker series on omni-channel challenges with Oliver Embry, a graduate from the class of 2017, happening from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Then we have our weekly Marshall full-time MBA mixer, which for this week will be co-hosted by the Graduate Women in Business. Uh, so feel free to come out to that. They're going to do a nice little presentation as well as some uh, fun games to really add to the experience. And that will be happening from 4.30 to 6 p.m. Uh, then we have Marshall Data Analytics Club co-hosting with High Tech Association and the MBA Honors Committee with a big data, AI, and ethics uh, session tomorrow from 6 to 8 p.m. Then we have the final round of the MFA stock pitch where anyone can come watch the winners uh, or the final competition from 6.30 to 8.30 tom uh, tomorrow. Then on Thursday, so starting Thursday, we have the Graduate Real Estate Association having another alumni panel from 12.30 to 1.30. We have EVMA and the Marshall Net Impact Club teaming up for a second year startup intern panel from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. We have an interve informational interview workshop with Salesforce being organized by Operations Management Club and co-hosted with the Graduate International Student Club and High Tech Association from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Then we have our mindful interviewing session being put together, like I mentioned earlier, by Mindful Marshall and the MGSA. Um, then we have BEA co-hosting with the Marshall Consulting and Strategy Club for a strategy roles in the entertainment business, entertainment industry session. 
Then the Jewish Association of Marshall Students will be putting on a second year internship and alumni full-time panel from 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. Graduate Marketing Association will be putting on a Milk and Cookies alumni event. Not sure what that means, but that is from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Then we have Marshall Interactive Gaming Association doing a City Lights VR Director of Business Development, uh, Nick Boyer Convo. So we'll be having him for a lecture from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Then the Latin Ma Latino Management and Business Association will be putting on their Fall Happy Hour from 6.30 to 7.45 p.m. on Thursday, followed by another event by the Latino Management and Business Association for an internship panel being put on Friday morning from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Additionally, on Friday, we have uh, a big event uh, hosted by GMA, co-hosted with the BEA, Jewish Association of Marshall Students, and the LMBA. Uh, for tips and tricks for virtual recruiting. And that will be happening from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Friday. Uh, GREA will have their executive speaker series from 12 to 1 on Friday. The Marshall Energy Club will be hosting an alumni panel from 2 to 3 p.m. on Friday. Uh, the Marshall Interactive Gaming Association will be doing an eSports and Partnerships chat with 100 Thieves from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Graduate Marketing Association, again, will have another thing of open casing hours with interview practice sessions from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And then finally, to wrap up the week, we have Marshall Pride hosting their October Kiki from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Okay. Whew. That is it for the events this week. Jesus. Um, now on to the guests of today's show. We are being host. We are being joined by another member from the class of 2022, uh, Christopher Lord, who has a uh, great story uh, to share about a very interesting sort of career trajectory. Uh, so very happy now to switch over to that part of the show. And now moving on to the guest portion of today's show, I am joined by yet another member of the class of 2022, Christopher Lord. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing well. How about you, Fez? I'm, I'm doing amazing, you know, uh, hanging out in LA for a little while now. So things are, things are going nice out here. Weather's amazing. Yes, it is. Hot, but amazing. Okay, so you're, you're in LA too now. Yes, I've, I've, I was born and raised here, luckily made it back with no problems from New York City. Um, and, and, you know, like you, very, very happy to be here and enjoying the weather to say the least. Yeah, I mean, I came from the New York area, so it's pretty much falls in full swing out there. Meanwhile, it's still still feels like summer out here to me. So <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, before we start getting in to learn a little bit more about you and your background, though, uh, I think you chose to do Florida Man Birthday as your uh, chosen intro segment today. So uh, the way that works for those listening is that we're going to take Christopher's birthday uh, and place it into Google along the words Florida man and see what kind of articles just pop up for that. So with that, Christopher, what do you got for your, your birthday? November 3rd, 1991. And you, you can uh, look this up as well if you want to. I'm going to. to I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> Oh, uh -oh. okay. Okay. Uh, I think you see the first one that pops up. <laughs> Did you search Florida man first? I assume. Uh, I, I, I put November three, Florida man. Okay. So the first one that comes up is uh, naked Florida man drove with wires on penis. And, okay. Classic. Uh, I am now reading it because I am just so intrigued about what kind of wires I had. Uh, Electrical wires protruded. Okay. Ooh. What is going on? How did that even happen? His his face is all messed up too. To say the least. Seems like there was wires in more places than the aforementioned uh, private part. It's unclear how he sustained the injuries in the mugshot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Jeez. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't even say much about that. It just it just says there were electrical wires attached. Okay. And that it was lewd. Yep. Sounds like uh, we don't know why and how, but he, he went there. God. And there's some that are funny, and then there's some that you just like, you don't feel, don't feel the need to read them all. <laughs> I, think, I think we surely got a funny one, okay. to say the least. Is there anything else on here? Uh, no. 
So it says in this other article that I'm reading, I think it's about the same individual that it was actually a full-blown electronic device. So maybe he was hoping to charge said device with, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it could have been some, uh, I guess, weird stimulation sort of thing. That too. <laughs> Let's see. Man wearing Crocs jumps into a crocodile pond. That also seems pretty far from the course. <laughs> yeah, the, the other, other the other <laughs> ones, the other ones were pretty on like the uh, the aggressive side. So I'm not surprised. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Sometimes they're more funny than not than not. But I think you got a pretty you got a pretty aggressive birthday here. Yep, goes in line with my character, which I guess we'll be getting into at some point. But yeah, not surprised, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, for the sake of the, the viewers uh, listening, we'll just not mention the other ones that I saw. So <laughs> <laughs> move on. So uh, that was Florida Man birthday. Uh, only two this time. But, you know, I think the, I mean, it went how we thought it would. <laughs> Uh, but now getting back to you, Christopher, I think uh, I just want to sort of start off by asking or wanting to know a little bit more about uh, where you grew up, uh, sort of, it says here, you, you mentioned that you were from LA, but you also, I guess, had spent some time in Madrid as well. So I was interested to hear more about that, uh, as well as sort of like your undergrad experience and sort of what, what your previous job functions were before uh, deciding to come continue education here at Marshall. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to break that up piece by piece. So I was indeed born and raised in the Los Angeles area. Uh, my parents, or we were forced to move to Spain, I guess, when I was 11 for my dad's job. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I thought I was on top of the world. I legitimately believed I was due for a Hogwarts letter that, that never came, unfortunately. <laughs> um, point being, I was quite resentful when... I had to move to a, a completely different country across the other side of the world where, you know, I didn't have as much in common culturally. I didn't speak the, the language that was native mm -hmm. to the country. Um, flash forward five and a half years after living in Madrid. And I'm so, so thankful for that experience. And it's something that I still talk about all the time in this environment because it really shaped who I am. It drove a lot of these qualities that I've come to understand are so important in the business world, namely empathy, ability to connect with others. So again, and incredibly thankful for that experience. Um, I moved back from Madrid to Los Angeles when I was 16. And each one of those kind of adjustments was tough in itself. I definitely faced some adversity. Um, but at the end of the day, I think going through those kinds of adjustments during transformative years really prepared me for having to do that quite a bit later on in my life as yeah, well. Pretty trial by fire in that, in that scenario, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I really had, again, no choice, especially when I first moved to Spain. I mean, all of the kids at school were completely different than anything I'd ever come to know. Um, and we're speaking a different language. So I very much immersed myself and also developed a passion for kind of that experience in itself, really immersing myself into new cultures, traveling the world, meeting people from all walks of life, all that good stuff. I was kind of curious if like you ended up, did you go to a school that had sort of English, other English speaking students, or was it just, you know, just being dropped in the deep end of the pool there? Great question. Um, so. Funny enough, the school that I went to was an international school, and it was basically a third American students, a third native Spanish students, and a third very much international students who, whose parents typically worked in like NATO or some big international company like an IBM of sorts. Okay. Um, but what was interesting about me is I ended up befriending all of the native Spanish students. Mm -hmm. Let's see, I got there in sixth grade and I don't know kind of why I did that or how it happened, but it was great because I learned Spanish very quickly. I would say <laughs> within a year I was nearly fluent. And again, I think it gave me a much more immersive cultural experience. So very thankful that it sort of played out that way. 
Yeah, I actually think it's a very interesting that you sort of gravitated towards the challenge in that regard as well. Yeah, again, I, I did think I was getting a, a Hogwarts letter at one point, so maybe that was just... Oh, we all thought that too at one yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so coming back to the U.S. at 16, uh, I guess your next step was to go to undergrad from there. Yeah, which also was sort of a, a drastic change. As I mentioned, I grew up in, in Los Angeles, California with a brief stint in Madrid. When I was thinking about college, I was actually a, a very good tennis player back in high school. And the recruiting process really dictated, I would say, a lot of the, my approach to which school I wanted to go to. And I ended up taking overnight recruiting visits at Bowdoin College in Brunswick, Maine, uh, Washington University in St. Louis and Amherst. And I ended up just falling in love with Maine, the, the tennis players present on Bowdoin's team mm -hmm. and ended up moving from one corner of the United States to a complete and totally different other side of the, the country, of course. Um, so people always ask me, like, how did you end up in, in Brunswick, Maine from Los Angeles, California? And, and that's sort of it. But, um, you know, similar, I think going back to Spain, I'm so thankful that I had that kind of experience where it was something completely and totally different than what I had anticipated or really expected because it really allowed me to kind of learn the beauty of those experiences where I was just thrown into an environment where people were so different than myself, culture was so different and really relished all of that and, and my time at Bowdoin in more ways than one. That's awesome. And then uh, I guess one question about that is, so you, when you moved to Madrid, uh, Madrid actually has a very similar climate to that of California in mm -hmm. the large part, but Maine, I can't say having lived in the East Coast uh, is anything like either of those climates, so. Not at all. And I think what you're getting at is maybe was I prepared? And to answer your question, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> the first year of my life, I would do things like wear leather sperries in the snow, thinking that <laughs> that was an appropriate thing to do and was constantly sort of eaten alive by snowstorms and just not knowing what to do with myself, how to cope with it. Mm -hmm. um, but it did also, uh, you know, it was the first time I'd really got to live through seasons and there's nothing like seasons in the Northeast, especially in states like Maine and Vermont. So did fall in love with the fall and the colors of the leaves and things like that, but was definitely, yes, an adjustment in terms of the climate. That's funny. Yeah. Um, and so while you were at uh, Bowdoin, I always pronounce it wrong because the way it's spelled. But, Everyone uh, does. It's Bowdoin, <laughs> Bowdoin. It's, it's Bowdoin for, for Bowdoin. technical yeah. purposes. <laughs> uh, what did, so you went there mainly for tennis, but what did you end up studying as your yeah. uh, intended major there? Yeah. So Bowdoin is a liberal arts college, a very small school, and it very much has a philosophy of academia for academic purposes. So they don't really have any courses that speak to, you know, careers or career focused types of subjects like accounting, right? So within, let's say, economics, they really only have courses that focus on the academic portion of economics. Um, I, and part of that was they really wanted every student to have very much a well-rounded educational experience. So where I'm getting with that is I kind of approached where I wanted to major just from a pure curiosity standpoint. And I ended up majoring in both Spanish, which ironic, I, you know, <laughs> in, in full disclosure, a way for me to get a, a nice A and maintain my Spanish and keep that GPA up. Um, yeah. But the, the other side of that, or my other major was um, government and legal studies, which I just wanted to know more about kind of government, how that functions internationally, and then also really build upon my writing and communication skills. I mean, it seems to fit really well with just like your, your previous history with all the international experience that you had. So government seemed to be like, I guess the, the logical next step for you, if that was something that you were looking to get into. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I thought, you know, I knew I was sort of going to end up in, in the business world in some capacity. So in my mind, I wanted to do something that 
would be really, really valuable in terms of learnings. And I would inevitably end up applying a lot of those learnings in certain capacities, but I wasn't quite as, you know, focused on how it would impact my career necessarily. Gotcha. Uh, so when, when did it come to like the, uh, the actual like job recruiting, uh, yeah. aspect, where'd you, where'd you go from there? Yeah. So, you know, that process in itself was, was quite something I think for everyone graduating, I very much felt like I was running around with, as you know, a chicken with its head cut off per se. Um, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to take some job where I could get exposure to a lot of different either business types or functions so that I would have the right kind of um, experiences to kind of get a better sense of what I wanted to do long term. And I sort of somehow finagled a job at a venture capital fund in New York, which are pretty tough to get out of college. Um, But I'm so and was so thankful for that experience because what I was going to be able to do was get exposure to a whole portfolio of different technology companies and better understand how the technology industry was transforming, Mm -hmm. what kind of companies were really eliciting disruption. Um, But, and, you know, I'm sure we'll get to the the later stages of my career. I pretty quickly felt like I just didn't have the right set of experiences to be making or informing, you know, investment decisions. Um, So I spoke to my mentor who actually worked at the company and I was like, you know, what do you think I should do? I don't really see myself having mobility or trajectory this company because I just don't know enough about the industry itself. And you can obviously read and do things like that, but I really wanted more of a practical application. And he told me, if you really want to add value to tech company, try to get as close as you can to the front end or the back end. And this might be pretty clear just by (laughs) the conversation so far, but I just wasn't the type of person that was suited for the back end. I really like people. (laughs) I mean, I'm electrical engineering and I, I, I try to distance myself from the back end as well. So don't, don't think that. (laughs) Yeah, no, no slight to, to anyone listening. And I have so much respect for people who can operate in that way because I, I simply cannot. Um, But I had been told a lot throughout my life that I would probably good at sales. So I probably good at sales. So I should sort of give it a gander. And from there, I ended up taking my first sales job at a technology company. And um, I guess to sort of streamline all of the different sales jobs I took from there, I tried to live the millennial pipe dream. I wanted to be an early employee and then slowly but surely realized the product just wasn't there. That happened twice. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, enough, I'm not going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or be, you know, fifth employee at Snapchat and just cash out. I need to go work at a more corporate company that has a sound trajectory for growth where I can really get experience, have mobility and, yeah. and continue learning. And at that point, I'd gotten really good sales experience. So I thought I knew a lot about kind of that particular function. Um, and then I ended up at a company called Yext, which is a publicly traded tech company headquartered in New York. Um, and there it was sort of great because I saw the culmination of all of those learnings from the earlier parts of my career come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up performing as the top salesperson on a team of about 30 um, in the small business sector. So that was a a pretty big accomplishment for me career-wise. And again, it was just nice because after working at two companies that were much smaller in terms of scale and putting in a ton of work and just not really getting anywhere, Mm -hmm. it was nice to sort of realize that I had learned a lot and propelled myself forward, even though I was still sort of in the same type of sales role at the end of the day. Wow. So definitely, definitely a lot of like wide, broad experiences in such a short frame of time. And this is all in New York, this entire? Yeah, so this was all in in New York City. Um, And it was something that was sort of hard to deal with at the time, because at a certain point, I was so sort of self-conscious about being a job hopper. I knew why I had to leave each one of those companies. And it, again, I can't imagine having done it differently. But I was sort of having to constantly weigh how this is going to look, how this is going to impact me long term. Um, but I did make it at Yaks to full two and a half years, which are, you know, I think 
in, in this day and age that's sort of like dog years, especially straight out of college and technology. But yeah, I think yeah. that's not like, especially in that industry, that's like, that's like you're a seasoned vet at that point in that, in that company. Exactly. Uh, was that actually some like challenges that you faced in terms of structuring your resume and sort of like still is uh, being prodded at in, with interview questions? Yeah. Yeah, it still is. And it's, it's tough because again, there's so much I want to even right now say as far as each one of those experiences concerned, mm-hmm. but you know, recruiting for consulting, you have to come up with a two minute elevator pitch to sort of create some synopsis that is powerful, that can speak to all of those learnings from those, again, very different experiences that all functioned very differently. Each one I sort of had, you know, a unique learning attached to, Yeah. Um, but I'm not really afforded the ability to do that. So yes, it, it is something that, you know, weighs on me and I still have to think about, but I think luckily I'm sort of getting to that, that tip of point, tipping point, thankfully, you know, by virtue of this MBA experience. I mean, it's, it's tough when there's a lot of stuff that you want to include, but you just really don't have the space to, but I guess hopefully you have the interviews where you can really sort of like kind of peel that back a little more and let that, let all those like other aspects shine a little bit too. Yeah. And I think the, the beauty of being in an MBA program is luckily I have so I'm having so many conversations right now that aren't necessarily interviews, the more just informational discussions, coffee Mm -hmm. chats, things like that, where I can sort of practice that elevator pitch and get feedback, play around with iterations and ultimately come up with a compelling two minute version of that story. It's definitely been a challenge to uh, get my (laughs) resume in the Tommy Trojan format and saying everything that I wanted to, but I think that's going to be a sort of lifelong journey. Uh, yes, I think I've had many, uh, many, uh, a fight with getting that thing like passed through or approved or anything like that. So (laughs) definitely not alone in that regard. Um, so you're at EX for about two and a half years, you said, uh, really taking a leadership role in that sales room for the small business. Uh, Mm -hmm. at what point did you sort of decide that you wanted to sort of come back to school and get more education and why exactly was that? Yeah, again, so there's two elements to, or I guess two big components of my experience that catalyzed that decision-making process for me. Um, First and foremost, when I was thinking about my career long-term, looking at the trajectory that I could find myself on if I was to stay within new business sales in particular, mm-hmm. you really can become a, a sales manager. And then if you're really lucky, something like a, a VP of sales. And I just didn't want to pigeonhole myself to sales functions okay. exclusively, um, just because it's not necessarily fun having a quota that is constantly stressing you out, especially if it's a monthly one or something like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like let's take COVID as an example right? There's only so much that you can really control as a sales rep. And yes, you can communicate your product offerings effectively. You can really do everything that you can do right. But at the end of the day, you have to have the right set of customers, the right kind of product. And when you're in those kinds of roles, you don't really get to advise on the strategic components of a a product or business service. So Mm -hmm. I really wanted to find myself in more of a hybrid position where I could talk to customers, think critically about what customers needed. Again, kind of speaking to my sales experience, but I wanted to be more cross, cross-functional and more strategic and ideally do that at a much bigger scale. Um, again, a lot of my experiences were at were in small business. I did get promoted a couple of times at Yext and ultimately work with much bigger, nearly enterprise type clients. But um, I wanted to sort of get there as, as quickly and, and fast as possible. Awesome. Yeah. So you want to be more, I guess, on the, the strategy side to help dictate those, those future product offerings and stuff rather than being stuck sort of like having to sell and, you know, it becoming almost a gamble at some point in some cases. Yeah. And exactly. And then the other part, which I didn't really mention and is a little bit more um, sort of difficult to communicate because it was ext- in- incredibly hard for me to, to deal with and go through um, without talking, you know, too poorly about a, a previous employer. I definitely, something I haven't mentioned quite yet is I'm LGBTQ. And um, I don't think it's something, no, it is something, especially at, like the VC, for example, at Yext, where culturally I really struggled with 
reconciling my identity. And I did feel like management at Yaks didn't really care to embrace every aspect of my identity and were very much pushing me to be a type of person, employee that I simply wasn't. Um, and I was thinking about how often that had sort of come up and how I just, especially with the way, you know, times have, have sort of evolved, especially when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that the company that I worked for very much was what people are coming to understand is like a social enterprise, right? One that I could align with sort of on their mission, but also their values. Mm -hmm. uh, and I realized that in business school would be the best place to network and really have the time to understand the full end to end cultural fabric of the different companies that I was going to potentially work at. Yeah. Um, and then also hopefully find one where, you know, I'd be able to help that company's culture really evolve and ensure that, you know, I can in some way pay it forward, right. Create, either employee resource groups or initiatives attached to those resource groups that were constantly building towards a better and more inclusive culture, ultimately. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you had to go through that experience there. Was that something that you at all had experienced at other jobs that you had, or was this one that sort of became paramount just due to the amount of time that you were you know, yeah, it's a great at this one? It's a great question. So it's, it, it, it wasn't something that I always dealt with. I, like I mentioned to you, I worked, at a variety of different types of companies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think sort of the cultures attached to each one of them sort of makes sense. I was at a venture capital fund that where all of my colleagues were men, every single one, um, except for one female who was in a secretary type role. Um, and they were all straight at that time in my life. I was out of the closet, but I was very much discreet. And it's something I never talked about and never felt comfortable talking about it. And gotcha. in fact, I actually got called out one time for by someone at the company who was in a managerial position for displaying that I was at a gay party on Instagram on my story. <laughs> and, you know, they did the same thing. They posted stories all of the time and yeah. did things like that. But I guess just because there was that LGBTQ component to it. I was being called out for it. Um, I sort of just stomached it and, and moved on. Um, then I worked at a um, e-commerce platform type of company that was for boutiques. So the majority of employees of that company were, were actually female. And I was constantly working with boutique owners that were majority female as well. Mm -hmm. And at, at that company, I felt like I was totally embraced for exactly who I was. Yeah. I really enjoyed the culture of the company, despite not having the, the product to really go off of. <laughs> so the product was the issue for that one. For that one, right. <laughs> there always was, was something not not fully there. Yeah. Um, and then I'll kind of skip over Chexology. But then Yaks, one of the issues with sort of the cultural fabric of that company was, again, with a lot of tech companies nowadays, you know, 10 white straight males who were on the executive board yeah. and they had all these employee resource groups, one of which um, was expressed, which was the LGBTQ plus one, but it wasn't something that functioned in any way to really create an inclusive environment. As a matter of fact, it felt a lot more like a marketing ploy. It's not something that it, we had executive buy-in in terms of. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what sort of got me on this path of, you know, wanting to, again, have sort of the product service type of function that I was fulfilled by, but also something where I knew I was aligned from more of that social enterprise standpoint. Yeah. And then now you have all the time in the world to really like network and get to know people that are working across different firms and uh, all the various opportunities in terms of uh, how inclusive they are from the ground up, as well as how dedicated and how much buy-in they have from executive management positions. Totally. And that Trojan network to your point, right? It's been so nice having second years, alumni, people who I'm intrinsically part of a community with, who I can have those open, candid conversations and really ask some, some loaded questions just as far as that culture, because I don't, the last thing I want to do is find myself in a position like I have throughout my work experiences where I feel like I'm doing everything right. I'm performing, I'm producing, but I still just 
am not that happy coming into work every single day because of things like, you know, implicit bias, unconscious bias, a lot of what anyone who's marginalized has dealt with. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the Trojan Network is something where you can really like ask those questions pretty bluntly, I imagine. So absolutely. And as a whole, like I, I'm sure we'll get there, but like what's been so great about our class, the first ever fully virtual class, you know, oh <laughs> in Marshall three <laughs> is it feels I feel the support all the time from all of my classmates. And there's been a couple things that have happened where I just think in terms of values, for the most part, we're, we're aligned towards the common good and understanding each other, each other's experiences, cultures, things like that, and building a really strong community around that. Well, it's great to hear the virtual experience has, like, I guess, continued one sort of thing that I think we've had going for us in the, the old physical world, whatever that used to be. Um, <laughs> So I guess before we get to talking more about the NBA experience, I think that's what we're about to jump into now. Sure. Um, why don't we uh, take a quick break and do the second intro segment that we had lined up for you today? Uh, and that Great. one is going to be the song blitz. So the way this one- top our Florida man, but let's do it. <laughs> so the way this one works is we're going to do, I guess, we'll do probably like two songs or three songs, depending on how well you get these. Uh, but you get to pick the genre and then I am going to like, try as hard as I can to find a song that matches that genre. I've been called out a few times of like not not playing the appropriate song for a genre. Like oh, who the hell is it? Someone said that Florida Georgia line doesn't count as country, which I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't listen to country. I'm so. even I I'm not a country person, but I I would have assumed the same as you for that. I, but. I just saw it come up and I picked it. So I assumed <laughs> oh, so, so yeah. I have to give you my favorite music genre basically. Whatever you feel like you have the, the better chance at getting something right here. Uh, God. Um, okay, let's just run with pop. Pop? Hmm. Pop could be pretty broad. It is super broad. All right, here's your first one. Uh, I went with pop music. It is from, I'll say it's from the 2000s. Uh, so... That is probably all the only hit you'll get. And I'll play uh, the first intro part here. Okay. Is it going? Is it going? Is it going? Is it going? I don't know what you're looking for. Oh my gosh. Like, I've never heard that song. <laughs> um, it, it definitely features, like, it definitely is people that you know, or at least if you're familiar with pop at all. Well, I'm definitely familiar with pop. I wouldn't have made it my favorite genre if not. I'm just, whoa, I I, I feel like I'm completely out of blank. I have I nothing could, to I can about. skip forward and play another clip. Let's do another clip. Because that intro was kind of weird anyway. It was, right? Oh, oh, oh. And I can recognize the voice, I think. Do I have to get the specific song? um timbaland right okay yes it is timbaland okay i can name other timbaland songs i believe <laughs> it's the one with nelly that i used to love uh promiscuous boy love that song I, that, I did see that one this is not that one uh, well at least i'll get like a 50 percent. so exactly <laughs> i got my accounting midterm um <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to guess it. So it's first in Timbaland. It's "Give It to Me" by Timbaland, featuring. Oh, I could have gotten that actually. I shouldn't have jumped the gun. Featuring <laughs> Justin Timberlake and Nelly Furtado. I even said Nelly Furtado. Yeah, I know you said it. I was like, he, I thought he's on the right track. <laughs> Shoot. All right. Want to try another? Yeah. Why not? Let's see. I guess we'll stick to the same genre unless you want to miss it. Or no, mix it up. Stick with the same genre. Okay. Yourself, I think. Let me look up for another year then. I think I'll stick with two thousands, but yeah. Yeah, make it more challenging. Okay. This'll <laughs> this is so dated, but yeah. Uh, so this is from the two thousands as well. Uh, and so you'll get your clip starting now. Tuesday, I am waiting. Tuesday, 
I can't. Is it I Can't Breathe by? I know the song. <laughs> I can't think of the artist at all. It, it's, it huh? Jewel? No. No. It's not Avril Lavigne. It's not Avril Lavigne. It's almost like an Avril Lavigne-esque. I mean, maybe considering. Oh wait, Hilary Duff. It's not Hilary Duff. Wait, what the heck? This, this is this is where it gets really funny if you if you get it. <laughs> Is the song I Can't Breathe, is that the name of it? No. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wait. Not Ashley Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Okay, what is the song? It's the one that an SNL. Isn't this the one from SNL that she she literally tried to perform? And oh, I think that is the one. Yeah. What, what's that the, song called? This is gonna kill me. I'm on. There's too much pressure knowing that I'm being recorded. Um, you got the artist right though. Like I, I, I did. I, and again, I'm gonna get another fifty percent. So I think that's the hardest part. To be honest. No bell curve though this time. So shoot. I'm not gonna get it. Uh, you I'm, I'm rattled. Right. I can't uh, even think straight. I mean, I wouldn't have gotten either. I wouldn't have gotten any of these. Uh, but Pieces of Me by Ashley. Pieces. Oh! Shoot. That was good though. I, I mean, you did you did well given what I was throwing at you there. So. Yeah, those were those were like a little off kilter. I mean, Pieces of Me, I, the Timberland one, I'll forgive myself for. Pieces of Me, I will not. It's gonna keep me up all night, keep myself up, but we'll move on. I usually, I usually don't go that deep into the cuts there, but <laughs> pop was so broad that I felt like I just, I had to challenge you a little bit. I, I, I always appreciate a good challenge. <laughs> um, so now coming back to, I guess, uh, MBA program and Marshall in particular, that sort of, I think, segued us from talking about um, your reasons for wanting to come and get a like continue education and really research some companies and uh, form a good network to where you had some level of trust within uh, what to expect from any roles that you're offered. Uh, but what were some of the main qualities and characteristics that you're looking for within the specific programs themselves? Yeah, great question. Um, so again, there's, there's so many layers to that question in itself, but I can tell you some of the key differentiators that Marshall possessed in my mind and it's definitely held up in in these senses in my mind so i would say you know i, I told you i i was born and raised in los angeles yeah. i i definitely always envisioned myself making a move back to the west coast at some point in my life and mm -hmm. realistically ending up back in in los angeles so when I was thinking about where I wanted to go to school, I really wanted to go to school in Los Angeles. Okay. So that quickly um, made Marshall and our, our brother and I guess, uh, yeah. <laughs> Anderson, um, the two top contenders for me. <laughs> um, and it was interesting because at, I'll be honest with you and hopefully this will make, make for a more fruitful podcast just by virtue of the one ranking spot or whatever it is. I was leaning Anderson at first. Okay. And um, it was getting to understand the, the community around the school and the cultural fabric that actually made me ultimately lean Marshall. Um, and some key pieces of that were First, I was so impressed by USC being, I believe, the first MBA program ever to reach full gender equity mm -hmm. uh, in terms of students that were actually attending the program itself. Um, so that was incredibly appealing to me. I think just the way in which they're thinking critically about the community, the importance of diversity was something that really, really excited me while I was in the stage of sort of networking and meeting current, current students, I met some people that just told me some stories that were really, really empowering um, and got me really excited. 
I mentioned to you, I did go to Bowdoin undergrad and yeah. Bowdoin is a teeny tiny school, 1800 kids in the entirety of undergrad. That is so funny. Uh, yep. <laughs> so my, my college class was 450 students. I went to a small high school. I always was a fan of the small community. I liked really getting to know everyone. I didn't like the idea of people getting lost in the shuffle. And that was also something that I really liked about Marshall compared to UCLA. I felt like that was a very traditional MBA experience. And there wasn't the same kind of just openness in terms of what you could get out of your career. And then on that note, um, something that really, I think, was sort of the nail in the coffin for me was um, in, a, in a good way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I felt like being born and raised in Los Angeles and spending so much time here, I never really cared about the UCLA USC rivalry, but I yeah. would have told you that if there is a strong alumni network, it's USC's. And when I was speaking to students in the program and kind of figuring out where I wanted to end up, that became abundantly clear just by how willing every student was to connect, connect me to other students. And I just knew that that would be something I'd be benefiting from for the rest of my life. Um, so I would say if I were to break it down, those are kind of the, the key variables that, that led me to Marshall. Yeah, I mean, definitely the, the network aspect. I feel like, uh, I think the analogy I get a lot is like UCLA is like great in like the LA area, uh, but USC, you can probably take anywhere in the continental US, even, even abroad and get a large uh, following with you there. It's like the Penn State or Notre Dame where it just the name alone really carries a lot of recognition. Absolutely. And now that I'm Gosh, how long has it been? Two months into the program? Yeah. Um, I can already see that coming into play, which is really great and validating. Awesome. Uh, so the next question that uh, I guess focuses on those first two months, even though it's only been two months, it might feel like a lifetime for you or several. Uh, <laughs> but what has been a challenge that you and more, or more specifically your core team have faced uh, in term one? And uh, what did you do or what did your team do together to overcome that? <laughs> Where to begin on this question? Um, I want to keep it sort of broad and, and applicable to really everyone who might be listening. Um, I think one of the bigger challenges that we all faced, I would say most teams faced is you really have to hit the ground running, of course. And that is something that definitely hasn't changed in a virtual environment, but we just yeah. don't have the same hallway interaction. We don't have that kind of dissemination of information that just comes from running into people. So I think that it sort of necessitates a greater degree of, of organization. And it's really easy for things to ultimately fall through the cracks. Yeah. So when it came to my team, it was just sort of building a process that would ensure that we could really leverage the power in numbers to stay organized and make sure that we knew what was going on, what was expected of us, key deliverables, and just ensuring that we were all aligned in that way. Okay. And to have to do that completely virtually really required you know, ensuring that we were set up from a technology standpoint, communication standpoint, every member of our team, like given their unique schedules could find time to get all this kinds of information, right? So just building a, a really sound process. But luckily, I think the way that, you know, the, the core classes are set up, they, you know, they kind of force you to think critically about your team charter, things like that, all yeah. those processes that will ultimately lead to long-term success. Our MLFP, Rebecca Pomerantz, I'm going to give her a shout out. Um, she's been absolutely incredible um, just in terms of additional guidance and, and leadership in that standpoint, but still kind of that, you know, learning curve to, to the virtual environment and functioning as a team was something that we all definitely dealt with. I'll also second that shout out because Rebecca's awesome. Uh, yeah. That might might be some Corsi bias, but that's just me. Oh, uh, I'm, in, I'm in Corsi as well. All so right. I mean, thing. I know you guys used to say. <laughs> I know. It's so tough. We, we try to emulate it, but it's just not the same anymore. But don't worry. I'm sure you guys will be back in campus at some point where uh, we'll, we'll make sure that that tradition lives on. I think it's been 
I've heard from other advisors that it's been like like every year for like 18 years of table banging. So uh, don't want uh, COVID to have to be the reason why the yeah. tradition doesn't get passed down. <laughs> All traditions die hard. Yeah, we'll make sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's great that you guys like really took uh, an honest look at what you guys need to do from uh, a team standpoint and what you guys were going to lack in terms of uh, taking everything virtually, uh, especially from those core charters, because uh, not many people are good about making the core charter and following through on it week in, week out. Um, so was that something that I guess was a bit easier to manage from a virtual standpoint as opposed to? Definitely not. Um, I mean, the nice thing was though, because we were virtual, we all were willing to meet a lot. So we were able to sort of iterate and it's not even something that like at this point we regularly reference, but I think it just gotcha. laid solid foundation and it, again we got to a point where we just understood each other each other's workflows where we didn't need that but i will say you know at first and this is something that i would you know kind of i like to remind everyone in our class in this experience of is that this is new for absolutely everyone involved so from administrators to students anyone else you're interacting with like there's learning curves across the board. So it's really important to approach everything from like a solution oriented collaborative mindset, I think. Yeah. Um, just because again, we're all trying to make the most of our time and our, our experience here. And again, it's it's a lot different than anything we've ever dealt with. Um, but sorry, what was your, your question initially? Uh, I guess more about how uh, enforcing sort of like team rules and charters was that harder than you imagined given it being virtual yeah, or with that was you know when you're having to meet people in this virtual environment it's a different interaction between two people and i was finding myself just in full disclosure making these snap judgments initially off of a very limited zoom interaction and this is true for my my team and beyond and in core and other type of group settings and i sort of had this epiphany of like wait i'm assuming that i know all these things about someone that i'm i've met for five minutes in this virtual environment and i think just because of how much anxiety there is around um or in present in this environment things yeah. like that it's easy to do that um, but I'm sort of happy that, you know, and, and becoming incredibly close with my team and I'll give them a shout out actually season six mafia. What up? Um, I learned that they're just, everyone here is just so incredible, has such a unique set of experiences that can add value. And yeah, it was, it was, I think nice that the school forced us to think critically around personality types, things like that, that I really value. And I think are super important because ultimately it just sort of enables you to be able to work with most people and, and get them out the most out of collaboration ultimately. Yeah. Uh, did you have sort of like the issue or like it's not issue, but challenge that most teams had with uh, different time zones, having to sort of coordinate between meetings and things like that? We got very lucky in that respect. I did work on um, a case competition, the Ramba one with a peer who was in Beijing actually. Um, very much felt for, for him, Hank Ju, he's, he's incredible, but, um, you know, it's, it's, I think, again, it just goes back to what I, what I mentioned, this is unprecedented and yeah. such a unique thing that we're all dealing with. So just really important to do our best to be cognizant of everyone's needs and do whatever we can to facilitate the most collaborative culture. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's tough for those that are in like really challenging time zones. I know I was in the East Coast taking classes and I thought that was rough and that's three hours. Uh, so I can't imagine the people who are like pretty much, I guess, rescheduling their entire sleep cycle around it. Were... Yeah, that's, it's really tough and hopefully it won't last too long to your point. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it that's one of the beauties of Marshall in particular is you really, you know, in every walk of the community i think you feel the support and that's something that i surely aim to deliver as a member of the, the community awesome. uh and then the last question we had for you uh today was sort of around uh your intended career or function post-graduation so yeah. i understand you sort of came in with a, a pretty open mind in terms of function i know you're coming from sales and wanted something a little deeper and with more uh like strategic insight, uh, but what sort of clubs or coursework did you find that helped you refine sort of 
what that role was going to be, or at least what you're going to pursue uh, for this year? Yeah, great question. Um, and just to add a little bit of color there, when I was thinking critically about where I could be more strategic, and in my mind, it was so tech focused, because that's all of the experience I had had effectively yeah. from when I graduated college, I didn't really think of going elsewhere. Um, that all being said, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I came across an individual from McKinsey who started telling me about sort of his day to day and what consulting really, um, meant at, and what it, what it could function like, how much there was an intersection with technology. So I started considering that as well. Never mentioned it in my admissions essay. <laughs> seem like as, as natural of a sort of pivot or, or change of function. Mm. Um, when I got to school, I was sort of on the fence between either a PM or PMM type role and consulting. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning, I was actively taking part in HGA events and consulting events and trying to toe that line and, and do both at the same time. Um, I remember in a PM workshop in particular, um, I think her name was Sharon Ma. She's incredible. She was sort of talking about the overlap and she sort of advised not to do both just because of the, the amount of time allocation. And I am a firm believer that, you know, meaningful connections are sort of everything and casting a, a small and effective net is usually the best approach. Yeah. Um, so just sort of by virtue of my time allocation and how much I thought I could bring to the table, I thought I had to pick one. Um, and then again, the, the community here is really amazing. I had a ton of informational interviews and really dug into the type of work that I could do in consulting mm -hmm. and started realizing that pretty much regardless of, of function um, and industry, you would end up touching technology and having that skill set was going to be incredibly valuable for me. Um, but then I also found out that there's all these functions that now exist at these firms like customer, like human capital that again, end up being very technology focused. And when I realized that I could sort of blend this yearning for more cross-functional strategic top-down type work, um, with my empathy and my love for people, human psychology, mm -hmm. I realized that that's sort of where I wanted to be, um, something that also is really exciting about the potential of consulting to me is let's take human capital as an example. A lot of projects nowadays really are incorporating an element of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And just based off of, you know, what I sort of outlined to you yeah. earlier, some of my issues, my past work experiences, like, I think for the first time, um, I shouldn't say the first time, I think more so than ever, um, companies are really tapping into the power of diversity, equity, and inclusion, not just in terms of marketing or marketing something, it, yeah. but unlocking human potential, creating a social enterprise where people are so excited to come in to work, incredibly motivated and understanding through technology, data and analytics, the correlation to their bottom line. And I think just how it's just, again, a very exciting place. It's constantly evolving and just given my kind of identity and how much that's mattered to me throughout my life. The ability to blend all these different interests through consulting is what ultimately sort of pushed me over the fence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that all sounds like, like out of everything you said, it sounds like a weird sort of culmination of all sort of elements of that all kind of wrapped up into one, which I think sounds great from both a like angle on your end, I guess that sort of plays into your two minute pitch a, a little bit, I guess. Well, you've got a tidbit of there, a tidbit yeah. of it there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but then also just like the, when you mentioned how everything's sort of related to tech at this point, yeah, tech's pretty much invaded uh, almost every other function of the business to where any sort of technology uh, is paramount in terms of being able to succeed in any other uh, business function now. And I think like to your point, what's so great about, you know, Marshall and then also consulting ultimately is I'm such a proponent of learning and technology, technological fluency can function in a lot of different ways, platforms, things like that. Mm -hmm. But what's so great is I have so much of an opportunity to build on what I do know at school and then consulting something that really excited me is just because I still feel like I have so much to learn. Yeah. Uh, it, the, you know, I think 
compared to a lot of other industries, they really enable you to continue that, that path of learning and become incredibly well-rounded and multifaceted in, in that type of knowledge. So that really excited me as well. Oh yeah. Do you like sort of like being known as the jack of all trades? Consulting is pretty much Renaissance the industry. Man, jack yeah. of all trades. I was a singer. I was a tennis player. I, I like, yes, doing that and doing that with other people. I'm an extrovert. I love, again, people, psychology. It all stems from moving to Spain. I think being LGBTQ, yeah. having to have empathy as a result. <laughs> it, all, it, all, it all makes sense to me now that I'm able to look at it. Well, that's good that uh, in your two, like it only took you about two months to sort of really shape and hone down this sort of like intended career path. And so I think right now you're pretty much in the, the heyday of consulting recruiting, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And it's just, it's really picking up. But honestly, like it's, it's weird. I feel like I'm on the right path. And again, Marshall's been incredibly supportive in, in getting me there and helping me sort of carve that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's something I, I feel all the time. All of these practitioners that I'm networking with as of now are, for the most part, Marshall alum. Um, and just in helping me understand like all of these different intersections, how they're playing out in terms of projects, projects assignment, it, it really made me realize that, you know, I can find a, a firm that's going to value me for who I am and enable me to continue on the path of learning and um, execution that I seek. Oh, yeah, there's definitely there's a lot of firms out there. And I think a lot of them will be uh, very, very interested in or like very uh, supportive of uh, what your career goals are going forward as well your mouth to god's ears yeah i I feel good about it (laughs) uh well that's the last question i had so uh that about wraps up our time for the show today uh but before we go we have two quick things that we want to take care of before i I send you out and that's uh uh, one is as a thank you for being on the show today you now get a one minute spot to showcase anything you want so be promoting something for a club promoting your core team promoting friends family uh it's your time to use so uh let people know. Okay. Um, well, I just want to say that there's, I love all the clubs that I'm a part of and no one take this any other way than me just being absolutely in love with, with Marshall pride. Um, so I'm going to give them uh, a huge shout out and really all of the affinity clubs at Marshall for just giving everyone a, a space to feel like their identity and who they are as a person is really embraced by the school and the overall community. Um, and then there was something else I, I did want to add there. Oh, of course. And then I'm just going to shout out Corsi because it's come up a lot today and C6 Mafia in particular. Don't know where I'd be without them right now and if I'd be able to think straight. So uh, <laughs> those are those are my shout outs. And then do I have to do this second part now? You see the song yet or no? Uh, yeah. So as the last part of the show, you get to choose the song that we uh, will play out today's show yet. Okay, cool. And this just came to mind very fortuitously, but I'm, I'm very thankful because I didn't even realize until I just sort of thought about it again, how perfectly this fits into a lot of the, the themes that have come up today. But yeah. I'm going to go with Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. I love that song. Yeah, but I hope, I mean, everyone should, hopefully. <laughs> everyone should know this song. And if they don't, then they're about to be, they're about and to they're their lucky. Yes. They're lucky. I'm actually jealous that they have never heard this song before. <laughs> uh, I think the first time I heard this song was on that that movie Shaun of the Dead. That's why that's where I find the the song. I feel like used it's got so many movies at this point. It's so empowering, and you know, if you need a history on the song itself, look no further than Bohemian Rhapsody. As of last year, a really great, yeah. great movie um well that about wraps up all our time for today so again uh thank you christopher for taking the time out to really join me and walk through everything about mm-hmm. your uh very your very interesting journey and the <laughs> weird sort of way that's all culminated into like a amazing career path for you so thanks so much well thank you and thank you for bearing with the very open candid and fun conversation i, lo- I the more candid it is the more fun it is for me to be honest so i really appreciate that as well i'm really glad to hear that <laughs> uh and that's all that's been all the time i've been your host fetch mcdermott and to play out today's episode will be don't stop me now by queen and that's all for today folks we'll see you next time I have myself a real good time i feel alive the world I'm turning inside out
Good time, I'm having a ball 